Nobody has ever made it through their career and said, it was just a piece of cake the whole way. I just sailed through, every opportunity came right to me. I never had to work hard. And I interviewed a lot of career services professionals and you know economists and experts on this idea of jobs of the future, right? Because a lot of people get it in their head, well, if I only discover the next big thing, then I'm gonna be able to be successful. But I don't think that that's true. This is your career GPS. The podcast designed to help teens, young adults, students, new graduates, and emerging professionals navigate their career journey. And your journey starts now. Welcome back to your career GPS podcast. We are so excited to be back with you after a brief hiatus uh, where we took a couple of weeks off for the summer. You know, the chaotic year that was 2020 and so many of these residuals that we're now dealing with in 2021 has really brought about the need to recalculate in our lives. And if you're breathing right now, you were probably impacted in some way. Uh, the effects of the pandemic and all the concurrent major stressors of social justice unrest, economic recession, and a turbulent political climate that we had to deal with. When virtually everything in our lives is going off course, just like a GPS, we have to sometimes get that wonderful message, whether we like it or not, recalculating. So Cassie and I, too, had to take some time to recalculate this particular podcast so we continue to stay steadfast in our mission to produce great content each week and uh, making sure that we are supports for young people who are just venturing out into their careers. And so today we just couldn't have a better guest speak on this concept of really embedding uh, recalculating into our vocabulary and understanding how to overcome and deal with adversity. So Cassie, can you introduce our amazing guest today? Yes, so excited for our guest today. Uh, Lindsay Pollock is joining us. Lindsay is a New York Times bestselling author and one of the world's leading career and workplace experts. She's passionate about helping individuals and organizations navigate and thrive in the ever-changing world of work. Um, Lindsay was recently named to the 2020 Thinkers 50 Radar List, which honors top global management thinkers whose work is shaping the future of how organizations are managed and led. And also uh, recently released uh, her most recent book out of the, the four that she has, Recalculating, Navigating Your Career Through the Changing World of Work, which was published in March of 2021. Um, like I said, Lindsay has three other books, has had speaking engagements and consulting clients with many of the top corporations and companies that you know about, and her advice and opinions have appeared in a ton of media outlets, uh, just to name a few, The Today Show, The New York Times, The Wall Street Journal, CNN, and NPR. Um, Lindsay is also a graduate of Yale University, and we are so excited to dive into our topic today about recalculating. Welcome to the podcast, Lindsay. Thank you, Cassie and Brad. And I just want to compliment you on the name of your podcast because it aligns perfectly with my book title, Recalculating. So I couldn't be more happy to be here with you. 
Yes, our it is. sentiments exactly. <laughs> yes, same, same for us. So perfect. And speaking of the book, that's what we want to dive into right away. Um, your book is amazing. I know I'm a huge fan. Brad's a huge fan, um, and there's so many great takeaways there. But could you talk a little bit about the, you know, what were a few of the most incredible or surprising things that you learned along the way while you were researching and and writing, recalculating? Absolutely. So my mission when I write books is always to write the book I wish I had in that particular moment. And who didn't wish they had a book in March of 2020 when the <laughs> pandemic hit to figure out what to do. True. And I, you know, I want to be candid. I was still out promoting my previous book, The Remix, which had come out in 2019. Mm-hmm. I had no intention of writing a new book, but I went from having a completely full calendar of speeches, which is my primary business in addition mm-hmm. to writing, in about a two-week period, my calendar was completely empty. The entire year had been canceled. And I had to pivot really, really quickly. And I had this moment, you know, it's such a sort of light bulb where I looked out of my apartment in New York City onto the street and saw cars. And I just felt that moment when you're driving your car and you make a wrong turn or you hit a, a traffic and your GPS says recalculating. And it was a very daunting feeling, of course, but I actually felt optimistic. Because when your GPS says recalculating, it says, you can't go that way, but there is another way. Mm -hmm. And there's something else you can do. And so I immediately started thinking, what else can I do? I cannot speak on stages. So I did virtual presenting. And my instinct was to either write a series of articles or what eventually turned into this book. And I'll tell you that the biggest probably lesson from this book is I've always thought of myself as a very tactical, Mm action-oriented, get things done, to-do list kind of person and writer. Um, If you know any of my previous books, that's really what they're about. And with this book and the COVID situation and all the crises, Brad, that you talked about, Mm -hmm. there was no way to avoid talking about emotion Mm -hmm. and confidence and feelings and mindset. And when I started interviewing people, we spent the first half of the conversation talking about that. How are you getting through this? How are you handling a layoff? How are you handling the discomfort? you know, how do you feel about the need to recalculate? And so the very first chapter of the book is about mindset. And I'm almost embarrassed that I hadn't written about it much before. But that's just become so central to all of my thinking and work around career development, which is if you don't believe that you can recalculate or succeed, you're not going to and now more than ever, having the right attitude or getting yourself into a place of having the right attitude is absolutely critical. And so that became the launching point to this topic more than anything else I've ever worked on. You know, I appreciate everything that you just said in there. And I think it's really um, going back to that, that uh, whole metaphor of, you know, uh, of the GPS entirely. Sometimes it is just reminding yourself that uh, in the process of recalculation, a alternative path appears. And sometimes it's just being able to recognize that that's the first step and, uh, and embracing it. And so one of the things that we will talk about a little bit more is that mindset piece of it. But kind of uh, sticking with that in kind of talking about this recalculation there, it's a little bit of an art to it, kind of, as you put it, Um, can you speak to really what that entails for young people and really how to go about embracing recalculating? Yeah. Speaking of the word embracing, I have five, what I call five rules for recalculators. And the first Mm -hmm. is embrace creativity. And I use that quotation that some people might know from Henry Ford. If you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always got. Mm -hmm. And it was very clear to me and to everyone that if we kept doing what we were doing going into COVID, we were not going to get anywhere. Everyone had to pivot. There was Mm -hmm. no 
choice. And I think that when you create a world where there's no choice, people are forced to get creative. And the people who weren't, were not getting anywhere. So like I said, I couldn't speak on stages, so I had to get more creative. So to give some examples, you know, if you were looking for a job as a chef, that was not going to be possible during COVID. You had to find something else. So I spoke to a chef who took an assessment test from his university, you know, alumni career office. And he realized that, you know, he was a little tired of being a chef anyway, couldn't do it during COVID, but he was really good at logistics because he was ordering ingredients and Mm -hmm. figuring out the supply chain. And so he had to think, I'm not just a chef, right? There are other uses of my skills. And we've known this for a long time. We always talk about transferable skills, Mm -hmm. but the amount of people who say, well, you know, I work in tech. Well, yeah, if there are no jobs in tech, you can get a tech job working in pharma or working in healthcare or working in an area that is growing right now, although tech, of course, is growing. So it was really about kind of checking your own assumptions about what you do or what is possible and starting to embrace the idea that there might be other ways to go. And some people come to that naturally. They just kind of get it and say, oh, I've got to look at the universe. Other people get very stuck in the idea that they do one thing. And so that was a really early message on how to get through the pandemic and beyond was how creative can you be about where you can apply your skills? That's so important, I think, for people to continue to be embracing that creativity and and thinking a little bit differently about how they're using their skills and in what industry and and all that type of stuff. And, you know, along with that comes that growth mindset that that you're speaking about a little bit earlier. And that's really a critical piece, I think, of kind of this framework of recalculating. So can you talk a little bit more about how students in particular and young professionals can really kind of develop this growth mindset especially if it's something that maybe doesn't come to them as naturally? It does not come to me naturally. I'll just be honest. I can be a very (laughs) fixed mindset person. And and I kind of learned that in the process of writing this book. Um, So growth mindset, of course, as many people know, is the work of Carol Dweck at Stanford University and her great book, Mindset. And, you know, it's really important to me because I like to have action steps of how do you apply growth mindset? How do you be, you know, more in in that way? And and the opposite is a fixed mindset, which is I'm bad at math. I'm not artistic. I don't like change. Mm -hmm. I'm only a speaker. And the magic that I kind of distilled down into Carol Dweck's work is the worst, the use of the word yet, Mm -hmm. which is I'm not good at math yet. I'm not comfortable with change yet right? I haven't found a career yet. And what that says is it's possible. I just have to figure out a way to do it. And one of the questions I get a lot out promoting this book is what do I do when I'm just down, when I don't feel like job hunting, like Mm -hmm. this sucks (laughs) and I get it. And students say that a lot. I'm so busy, you know, I have so much going on. And my answer, which is very growth mindset is what is the absolute smallest step you could possibly take to achieve what it is that you want. So if you're not artistic, well, I could watch a two-minute video on YouTube about how to draw you know, more accurately. It's these tiny baby steps. And I think we get really caught up in these huge moments, like applying for 100 jobs or networking with 50 people. Well, how about one, right? How about changing one sentence on your LinkedIn profile? So when I'm coaching students, I often say, what is the absolute tiniest, like most embarrassingly small baby step that you can take to move forward? Because not only does it prove that you can do something, It also builds momentum because when you do the small thing, then you're ready to do the next thing. And I know it sounds tiny, Mm -hmm. but that momentum is really, I think, what moves people forward, especially when they're in a really stuck place. Such an such an incredible point there. And I, I think one of the things that I tell my students a lot, and I know that Cassie has these conversations as well, is that that we remind students all the time. 
in our offices that success isn't a cataclysmic event. It is, it's um, the consistent little things that you do day in and day out that accumulate. And then one day you're going to have a breakthrough, <laughs> but it might be a week from now or a month from now or a year from now. But, um, but I love that. It's such a, an important reminder, but it's just being, it's remembering that those uh, opportunities are there and you can start very, very small. Such a good reminder. You know, one of the things that I did want to uh, ask you about was in our work, you know, we deal with so many students whose academic plans changed as a result of the pandemic. You know, their internships were canceled or their their plans for graduate school or all these different types of things. They, they suddenly had to shift and they kind of felt like, OK, I have to put everything on pause. So for those individuals who are just sort of restarting or, you know, considering, OK, what the heck do I do now? You know, how do I move forward? Uh, what would you think about are the things that they should consider um, before, you know, making those sort of determinations? Well, it's such a good question because for so many reasons, people were not on the paths they wanted to be on. Um, I'll just tell a personal story. We, I live in New York mm -hmm. City. Uh, we ended up quarantining in uh, very rural Connecticut, which was great and safe, but it was very hard for me not to be in New York. And I remember having mm -hmm. these moments of saying, I'm not in a place where I want to be, yeah. right? I can't do the things I need to do. You know, it's too hard. Okay, what can I do, mm -hmm. right? What can I do? I can make a list of all the things I can't do, but what can I do? Mm -hmm. And so you have to start from that place. And so for a student who um, wasn't able to go back to school, you know, missed a semester or lost an internship or whatever the situation was, I, I think there are two thoughts. One, well, three thoughts, really. One is it's okay to feel really sad about what you lost. And I talked to a lot of people who got laid off. And I remember I was laid off for my first job. The company folded. I worked for Working Woman magazine. It went out of business. I was upset. I liked my job. I didn't want to be unemployed. I didn't want to find a new job. And it's okay to feel that and let it out. Because if you don't, you're going to get stuck mm -hmm. in that anger. So number one, let it out with your friends. You know, certainly not in a job interview, but your journal, <laughs> whatever you need to do. But number one is like, it's okay right. to feel disappointed yeah. that you missed your junior year or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, number two, I think, is to reflect on what you learned and figure out how you're going to explain it. Because no matter what, interviewers, professors are going to say, what happened? Why didn't you do an internship last year? Or why'd you take a year off? And it is perfectly legitimate to say, I was home with family members. I needed to make money because I wasn't able to afford my tuition. But you have to get comfortable with that answer because people are going to ask and they're going to respond. So if you say, oh, yeah, I probably should have found another internship, but it was really hard. Now I sort of have a negative view. But if you say my internship was rescinded, so I used it as an opportunity to spend more time with my family. Now I'm really excited to be back in the game. Okay, mm -hmm. cool. I'm ready for you. So you've got to really hone your story of what it is. And number three, we've had a lot of time to figure out how we want to move forward, really take action, say, okay, I can change. Rule number three for recalculators, you're going in order beautifully, is control what you can. You can't control whatever you did over the past 15, 16 months. It's done. Mm -hmm. So what are you going to do now to move forward? What can you do? What can you do to move forward? And frankly, I've interviewed so many recruiters who said, I am never going to fault you for what you did during a global, <laughs> deadly pandemic. <laughs> right? Everyone has exactly. a get out of jail free card. Use yeah. it. But now moving forward, that card is done. So start yes. to figure out what it is you want to do next. Yeah, I think mm -hmm. it's so important to just reiterate that point that there is 
this global understanding of what we all went through. And you can kind of use that. But like you're saying, and I say to students all the time too, they have to be really confident in how they're articulating that and telling their story and putting that across in interviews or whatever the situation may be. So looking kind of forward, we've obviously learned that life can change very quickly and we have to recalculate and all of that. But are there ways or what are some of the ways that young people can really be thinking about these inevitable detours? Like hopefully it's not another pandemic that totally alters our world, but life happens and detours happen and disappointments with our career journeys and our path and all of that. So are there some ways that people can prepare and kind of think ahead without getting like very stressed and, and anxious about that? Yeah, it's so interesting. I think about my own career and, and you graciously read my bio and, and I've had <laughs> a fair amount of success. But don't forget, I've been doing this for 20 years. Mm-hmm. I'm not an overnight success in any way, shape or form. And I really started to think in the pandemic of what helped me get to this point. And number one, I think is contacts and community. You have got to expand the people you know. When COVID hit, I will be really honest, there were people who I called and said, I need some business right now, right? I've known you for 20 years. I've done a lot of speaking for you. Do you have anything? Yeah. And I asked for help and it was a little embarrassing, but I knew people well. And I knew that if they didn't have it, they wouldn't. But you need people that you can rely on. Hey, I'm looking for a job. Have you heard of anything, right? I know you've given me some freelance work in the past. I really love to call it it. But you need that Rolodex, And I had a 20 years deep Rolodex, and I'm really proud of that. You might have a two years deep Rolodex, but now is the time to start building those relationships, maintaining those relationships so that you know that you have a very deep bench of people that you can call and submit. And by the way, I gave work to people who had freelanced for me. So it's really about that mutually beneficial cycle. The second, I think, is just a really healthy curiosity. Nobody has ever made it through their career and said, it was just a piece of cake the whole way. I just sailed through. Every opportunity came right to me. I never had to work hard. And I interviewed a lot of career services professionals and you know economists and experts on this idea of jobs of the future, right? Because a lot of people get it in their head. Well, if I only discover the next big thing, then I'm going to be able to be successful. But I don't think that that's true. And uh, Michelle Horton of uh, Wake Forest University said, you don't know what's going to be here in 10 years, but you can discuss what's going to be here tomorrow. And so we know yeah. things like cryptocurrency, right? Artificial intelligence, you know, blockchain. Those are things we're hearing about that people are doing now. So if you start to hear of something in your industry, you know, in your world, go and watch a YouTube video about it. Google it. Set up a Google alert so you read news articles about it, right? These tiny little ways of keeping curious and educating yourself. You don't have to go get a PhD in blockchain, but if you hear people (laughs) talking about it in your field, you know, so in career services, something like growth mindset, if you've never heard about that, say, oh, I heard about it on a podcast. I should go research that a little bit more. So one of my rules of thumb, which I'm really serious about, is if somebody recommends a book or a podcast, if a second person recommends it, I absolutely read it or listen to it. Because if two people in my orbit are talking about the same thing that can't be an accident. One thing right. might be a little weird and whatever, but if two people talk about it, suddenly I really want to learn what that thing is. And I just want to give you a really tactical example of why this is so important. When I was a kid in the 1980s, everybody was talking about the rise of Japan and that there was a big move when I was in high school that everybody was going to take Japanese. And if you took Japanese, you would have a really successful career in the future because that was the future. 
Well, guess what? Japan, as we did not know at the time, was on the verge of a 10-year decline, you know, and the sort of lost decade in Japan. That prediction was wrong. So while it's wonderful to learn Japanese and there's a lot of value in it, if you did it only because someone told you that that was the future, you were making a mistake. So you've got to combine what you know is happening right now with what you're naturally interested. If you're naturally interested in Japanese, go for it. But point being, if someone tells you something's going to be popular and you spend all this time going down it just to set yourself up for the future, you might be wrong. So I say focus on the present or the next 12 months, not the next 12 years. Does that make sense? Absolutely. You know, one of the things that I absolutely love about this book, and um, I have to, to sing your praises, is the fact that even though each chapter really goes into sort of these different components of, of how to recalculate and how to, um, you know, how to own your career story and how to, to shape your relationships and all these things, they all interconnect beautifully. And so like the points that you were talking about just now about staying curious and the fact that um, that's growth mindset. It's it's the yeah. ability to, to really um, think beyond and imagine possibilities. And as you mentioned before, it's baby steps. It could be an article at a time, a podcast at a time. It'd just be absorbing information in just little chunks and all of those things accumulate. And now maybe you have a new certification, you know, and you're ready to, you know, take the next, next steps in your career. And it really just started from maybe one article. It was a baby step. And so I love that. But one of the things that you mentioned in the very beginning there, which I loved, was about contacts and community. And in your book, you actually do talk about this, um, this aspect of a personal advisory board. And I was kind of hoping you could elaborate a little bit more on the elements of that advisory board and, and the, the function that it serves. Yeah, I'm obsessed with the idea of a personal advisory board. Um, <laughs> so I love the idea of mentoring, right? There's like, what could be better than mentoring? And it's sort of mm -hmm. this idea that there's some like amazing Yoda out there who knows exactly what I should do in my career. And if I can only find that person and sit down with him or her once a month, they will tell me everything I need to know. <laughs> I think that probably worked in like the Mad Men era uh -huh. where people were on the same career path, right? right. And, and not that mm -hmm. much changed over a 10, 20 year period. I think mentoring is wonderful and have all the mentors you can. But if I had tried to find a mentor in March, 2020 of a professional speaker who had been through a pandemic and pivoted, I would have been out of luck. It didn't exist. The world is moving so fast. So to me, I think it's more effective and, and frankly, less stressful. The idea of finding one person is, is very stressful. And if you have it, great. But how about having sort of a team or a community of people that you can call on to ask questions, seek advice, run ideas past, pick their brain, et cetera. But I think what's really important is to have this metaphorical board of advisors be as diverse as possible. If everyone I knew were a white woman in her 40s who was a professional speaker or lived in New York City, I don't think I'd get very many creative ideas. Right. Whereas because I have a diverse network of people 20 years older, 20 years younger, mm -hmm. um, I was just on the phone with a colleague in Hong Kong. You know, It gives you different perspectives that, again, help you embrace creativity and unique ideas. So when you think about who the people are that support you, it might be former bosses, it might be uh, friends from your classmates, it might be professors, it might be a uh, sibling, but to really think about how you can create a diverse group of people so that when you have a decision to make or when you're struggling with something, instead of calling one person who will have one opinion, just like a corporation has a board of advisors or a board of directors to get diverse viewpoints, you'll get more perspective. I really encourage students to start thinking about their advisory board. And again, it's not a formal thing. You don't have to ask people to do it. 
but who's on your team? And I would also say, whose advisory board are you on? You also want to start to think of yourself as supporting the people in your life and making sure that you're letting them know that you're available. I think an advisory board is so important. I know that's something at in my role we talk about with students and um, something I was taught in grad school that I'm like endlessly uh, grateful for because it is so nice to have that group of people that you can get those diverse opinions, but also thinking about like, what do I need at this moment? I know on on my board of directors, I have someone who's like always going to cheer me on no matter what. Mm-hmm. So when I need that motivation, I go to that person versus someone who is always going to give it to me straight and be blunt and honest. And, and sometimes <laughs> I need that too. So um, there's so many great reasons to have a, a board of directors. I can't, can't reiterate that enough and kind of thinking about how our board of directors play into our whole kind of career story. You've talked about the importance of, of owning your career story through kind of like taking control of the narrative and, and that type of thing. Um, are there ways or can you talk a little bit about how young professionals and recent grads who kind of dealt with adversity and like we said, as life happens, as a pandemic happens, um, how they can go about really owning their story in in an authentic way. Yeah, I talk about personal brand, but I think career story is more more Mm all-encompassing, which is when someone says, tell me a little bit about yourself, how do you answer that question? And, And there are two thoughts. One is what we talked about earlier, which is to really be comfortable with the choices you've made and be able to describe them in a positive way. Whether you feel that way or not, you're going to have to kind of spin it a little bit. It's a little bit of marketing. So to say, I took a year off or I stayed home with my children for a couple of years or I changed my major and this is why. Recruiters in particular, they just want an answer to the question, right? They just want to know that you're comfortable with the decision. And the second is you've got to be able to explain why you have made a choice to pursue the career path that you want. So if you want to be an engineer, tell me why, right? So you've got to kind of think about where you come from and where you want to go. And I think you really want to be deliberate because I know a mistake that I made when I started out was I was sort of that well-rounded kind of person. I did a little of this, a little of that. And I thought that I would just kind of give you my resume and you as the recruiter or the employer would figure it out and say, oh, well, she has these 97 skills. I think this job would be good. (laughs) And the reality is the employer is never going to do that. You have to do the work to figure out what it is that you want. And that's the hardest part of the process. Um, I love career assessment tests. I love coaching, obviously, through career centers. But you've got to be able to tell people, this is what I want. Now, you can have different answers and different things that you tell different people, but they are not going to do that work for you. And that is really, I think, the ultimate you know, thing you have to do as a young person is to be able to tell that story in a way that says, this is who I am, and this is what I want, and this is why. And I love it. I love the fact that it's all about, you know, ownership. And yeah. it may mm-hmm. not have been the the prettiest story, the easiest story. It's right. maybe came with um, some challenges, but it's part of the story. And I think mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's about, you know, the ability to see the good that came out of that. And if you did deal with adversity, how are you better as a result of it? What did you do um, during, you know, a, a point maybe where you were unemployed or, or things didn't, didn't pan out. So all of those things are just um, incredible reminders and they all fit with that, that growth mindset, um, you know, mentality. So, you know, Lindsay, everything that you've contributed today has been absolute money and uh, we're so appreciative (laughs) of it. And hopefully you've held out just a little bit for the end here where we could um, ask you our, um, 
our quintessential question that we ask all of our guests, which is over the course of your career, you've accumulated some incredible uh, pieces of a career advice. So what do you think is probably the, the best one that you have to offer or We'll, we'll give you two if you have two, <laughs> but ones that you could pass along to the next generation that really mean something to you personally. Okay. So my first and always forever one mm-hmm. is keep building your contacts. Mm-hmm. Everything you do in this world, you will do with other people. Mm-hmm. So that's number one. That's my classic. That's yep. my bumper sticker, but I have a second one. Thank you for letting me do two. Yes. <laughs> my second one is you can turn any job into a good job. Mm. You can take a job that is mediocre, that is not your dream, that is not perfect, and you can turn it into an opportunity by the people you meet, the things you learn. Maybe it's even just discovering that you never, ever want to do that job again. It is in your control. I interviewed a woman who worked at a grocery store. It was the only job she could get during COVID. She was a frontline worker with a college degree. She worked at a grocery store, and she said, I am going to make the most of this. I'm going to learn how to talk to the public. I'm going to build my confidence in having conversations. I'm going to make money. I am going to deal with the public. I'm going to handle customer service inquiries. I am going to make this something. And that was her decision to do that. So before you quit a job, before you hold out for this idea, I used to talk about dream jobs. I don't talk about them anymore. Mm -hmm. It's about turning anything into a positive step on your career And I think a lot of people are going to not necessarily get what they consider their dream job out of college this year. And that is okay. Think about what can I get out of this opportunity that I can use in the future? Yeah. Wonderful message of optimism there. I really, really appreciate that. And it's been extraordinary today. Absolutely extraordinary. Exceeded my expectations. Love every bit of this. So I'm sure that uh, the listeners uh, today on this episode are going to want to follow some of uh, your message ongoing, get connected with you, uh, get the book and all of those things. So what are the best places to find you, Lindsay? Brad, Cassie, thank you so much for having me and for that kind question. My website is lindsaypollock.com. Please sign up for my monthly newsletter. Um, The book is Recalculating, available on Amazon or at your favorite independent bookstore. And I love, love, love to connect on LinkedIn, particularly with students and career services professionals. So please find me and connect on LinkedIn. Yes, definitely uh, connect with Lindsay, get the book. I know Brad and I uh, both have have read it and loved it. And I'll also just do a plug for you for all your other books. I've read them too. And <laughs> Thank I'm you. A, I'm a big fan. Um, so definitely uh, check out her, her work and get those books. Um, Lindsay, again, thank you for being on with us. It's been a real pleasure. And I think everything that we talked about today with recalculating and building that um, board of advisors and just thinking creatively and being curious um, is such a valuable message for our listeners. So mm-hmm. um, Brad and I are glad to be back. We'll be coming um, back weekly now with some really great content and really great guests. And um, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you are listening to us. Follow us on Instagram at Your Career GPS Podcast and um, any other platform that we're on. We post some sneak peeks on YouTube, so check us out there. This is Your Career GPS, and your journey awaits. <laughs>